Hi everyone, we made it to July. Are you kidding me? What the fuck? How did we get through the first six months of the year already? I don't know about you, but June was a blur. I feel like between moving, the world reopening, summer, this month has been, uh, honestly, it's been wild. But um, as we're kicking off here into a hopefully fun holiday weekend, some time away from work, kind of get to enjoy the sunshine and really, I know Memorial Day kicks off summer, but 4th of July for me really feels like we have arrived at summer. Um, So um, this one is actually a very non-orthodox or unorthodox 4th of July. About, no, exactly two years ago, I was in India over the 4th of July, (laughs) because where else do you go to celebrate America's independence? Mumbai. So this is a story about a business trip that was just absolutely incredible, but absolutely batshit. I mean, there's just genuinely no other way to describe it. So this one is about Michael finding himself in India on two weeks notice over the 4th of July. It doesn't really get any more chaotic than that. Okay, enjoy. Okay, guys, this might be a little bit of a longer story, but there's a lot to pack in here. So it is, um, how do I even start to begin to explain the story? So basically, I was without notice thrown into the throes of an India trip over the 4th of July, because what screams Americans independence more than being in the middle of Mumbai in India? (laughs) So only me. So as the story goes for work, we were working with this client and with literal two weeks notice, almost, um, maybe three, we're on this conference call. Um, my colleague, Rebecca and I, Rebecca, who's like colloquially known as the Dean of data at Carnegie Mellon. That's what I call her. Anyway, she's like hilarious and she's like a badass, And like, it's just like, it's who fricking fracks in one place. So anyway, we're on this conference call and all of a sudden the guy's like, you know what? I actually think you guys need to fly out here uh, and see how we're operating. You know, just come kick the tires on our operations before we kind of move forward. And we mute the conference phone and we look at each other and we're like, holy shit. So um, truly that just flung us into having to get visas, get sort of figured out for what we're doing for travel. And next thing you know, their preferred travel date was July 1. So serendipitously, it was literally two years ago, almost to the date that you'll be listening to this. So extremely cordial. They work with their corporate concierge. They get us booked on business class to India. Um, It is just like, whoa, they're rolling out the red carpet for us. So you know what? We're excited, but we're also like, whoa, it's happening so fast. So up until two days before the trip, you have to have a work visa to go to India. So up until the trip, we're like sweating bullets. We're like this is happening so fast. We planned our trip. We have the flights. We have this, like all this stuff. But like we can't legally go until we have these visas. Where are they? Blah, 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 blah. So we get all that stuff figured out thanks to like the teams. And long story short, we, um, you know, just roll out. So we get to the Pittsburgh International Airport, and this is where we should have known the wheels were going to start falling off. Like, this should have been our signal. They are calling for people to um, volunteer to step down from first class because they had overbooked first class. Now, I love this because if you know how to work the airlines, you just wait like three extra minutes and they'll up the voucher. 
And so they weren't going to bump us from the flight. They were just bumping us from first class, which we would have never booked, but the client booked first um, and then business um, to India. So I walked up to the counter. You know me. I love a fucking deal. So I waltzed right up there. I'm like, what's the deal? And they're like, we need two people. And I was like, well, both of us will do it right now, but not for that measly $100 voucher. It needs to be $250. And she's like, oh, my God, if you just do it right now, I'll just do $250. I'm like, cool. And I wondered if I could have gotten three, but I didn't want to push it. So, and Rebecca's like, who are you? I'm like, I just got you a free flight to wherever you want in the continental U.S. And we didn't pay for it. Okay? That's who I am. You just get one less fucking orange juice on the one-hour flight to New York. Who gives a damn? So, poop, poop, over to New York. We're at JFK. We get behind security there. We um, are super excited. They put us up in the lounge. And it's like our last few hours on American soil before we're on... 15 and a half hour flight to Mumbai. It's one of the longest flights I've personally ever taken. And so, um, you know, you hate to be like this, but thank God it was business class because the, you know, chairs fully reclined almost into a bed and there were shades and, you know, it was nice, but it was on Air India. So the first flight was just United to get us up to New York, but then this flight was on an Air India, which is a government run airline. That will be important later in the story. Okay. Just, just dog here that one. So er, land down in Mumbai, it is monsoon season, we are here, it is humid, and honest to God, I'm just like, I'm blown away that we're here. It's still not even real that we're like landing in India at this time, because quite frankly, we didn't have much time to wrap our heads around this trip, right? Like we just kind of threw ourselves into it. So they whisk us away, it's really star-studded. I mean, they truly did roll out the red carpet, I will absolutely give them that. I mean from the business class flight, and then we land, we're ushered away in a BMW to the Four Seasons Hotel. I mean, it was like stunning. And all of this, and I'm like, holy fuck, like what is going on? So we get to the hotel and it's just, it's pretty late. And so they're eight and a half hours ahead of us, which is a weird thing, but it is a half an hour included, which always fucked us up the whole trip. But anyway, we um, get to the hotel and we both say, let's get a nice dinner in our under our belts, and then let's go to bed because we had a big day in the morning. So we touched base with our local uh, contacts. Everything was set for the morning, and it was raining pretty heavily when we landed. Now, granted, it's monsoon season. Only I would turn up in India in monsoon season, but um, they had sent uh, an itinerary ahead and said, you know, the car would be there by 8 a.m. No problem. Jet lag for who? So we um, proceeded to have a very nice dinner at the Four Seasons restaurant and went to bed. So in the morning, I'm an early riser, plus I have jitters, I'm missing stuff. So I meet Rebecca down in the lobby, and it is pouring. I mean, it's humid, it is pouring, and there are, like, all these flash flood warnings and all this stuff. And, like, this is, like, I don't want to say normal, but kind of normal to folks in Mumbai. So the people at the front desk were like, yeah, this is normal, but it did rain really, we got really bad rains last night, like, so-and-so. So our person was having trouble getting to us, and they were like, look, we're still going to push ahead, but you know, get ready. <coughs> Excuse me. They're like, get ready. It's like going to be a wild day ahead. So her and I kind of look at each other as we're like rubbing a bagel with some schmear. And I'm like, ooh, it's going to be a long day. We might as well stack up on some of these Nutri-Grain bars. So we get in the van and, you know, where we are up on this hill, there's not rain. And before you know it, we're not even like 10 minutes into this trip. And there are people on tuk-tuks. There are people on mopeds. And water is, I'm not shitting you, like probably a foot and a half, two foot wading deep in the streets. I mean, it is bad and it is still coming down. And so then to them, they're like, oh, no problem. I mean, if you're from the south of Pittsburgh and you know where uh, like 
I don't know, streets run road is, or some of those roads used to flood out and like idiots would still push through in their Chevy Impala. It's like 10 times worse than that. And people still drive through it. It's like stunning. And by the way, in rickshaws and tuk-tuks and, and mopeds, not even in like Silverados, it's like stunning. So we're on our way to this remote site about two and a half hours out and we get out of the city center, which was more flooded. And now that we're in the countryside, it's actually fine. It's just raining pretty heavily, but it's actually kind of gorgeous at the same time. Well, our um, Mr. Shinoy is his name. He's kind of like the appointed liaison to take the Americans around town uh, and into the countryside. He is speaking, um, you know, directly to the driver. So I'm in the passenger seat because they, ins- I-, I insisted that I didn't have to, but they said I was tall. So I had to. It's <laughs> like, okay, whatever. So this uh, two little Indian guys get in the back seat and Mr. Shinoy with Rebecca, they're chit chatting. And at one point he said something to the driver. And I was trying to chit-chat the driver. I mean, you know me. I was like, oh, so how are you? Like, this is so crazy. Like, the rains. And he kind of just like, kept, like, smiling and nodding at me to the point where I said, Mr. Shinoy, I don't want to be rude. Does he not, you know, it's okay if he doesn't know English, but does, am I bothering him? And, you know, this was a sad reality. He's like, oh, no, you know, he doesn't believe he's worthy to speak to you. And I was like so taken aback by that, but there is a real caste system in India. And so I was like, oh my gosh, can you please tell him? Like, I mean, only, I mean, he could tell me to fuck off, but if he's interested and I'd love to have a dialogue, like I'm sitting up here, you know, whatever. Before you know it, we're fucking peeling wheels into the only McDonald's, the Golden Arches, only McDonald's would be on this remote ass highway two hours outside of Mumbai on the way to this town called Nasik. And I'm just like dying. And so I'm like, what's happening? And Rebecca's like, I think they just think we want McDonald's. I'm like, O-M-G. I mean, they're not wrong, but it's also stunning that <laughs> pulling into McDonald's because they just, if you should know nothing, you should just know that they are extraordinarily hospitable. And like, if you even blink or remotely suggest that you're interested in something, it's at your feet. I mean, it's like literally crazy. So we get the McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's Coke is, I will say, McDonald's Coke, even in India, check, can vouch for that. Um, I've now had McDonald's Coke on four continents, proud of it, it's a badge of honor, South America coming for you um, to round out my five, and then, um, well, how many continents have I been to? One, two, three, four, yeah, that would be five, and then Australia will come for you later, that's a long ass flight. Okay, so anyway, so we continue on our journey and we're in this back ass woods. And this is so we can meet some of the rural community who works with this company that we're in. This is the due diligence trip. And quite frankly, we still don't know exactly what due diligence we're doing, but we have our spiral bond notebooks and we're nodding a lot. I shit you not, everywhere we show up, we I honestly felt like a Kennedy. I, I don't even know how else to describe that. They're like, here are these two white people barreling through the backwoods of India. We show up at these remote locations, and at both places, they gave us bouquets of flowers. They ushered in fresh tea. People are smiling and staring into the conference room like a glass fishbowl or laughing. And you know me. Like, I live for moments like this. So I'm soaking it all in. Rebecca's like, what's happening? And I was like, welcome to the, like, Truman Show. Like, just roll with it. Like, enjoy your flowers. So we do stop one, pomp and circumstance. Stop two, pomp and circumstance. Stop three, pomp and circumstance. By this point, I can't have any more tea, right? And I have enough flowers that looks like a fucking funeral. So we're kind of like tapping out on this. And here's the kicker. We need to use the restroom. We've been drinking our, our weight in Indian tea. 
well, here, I'm like, I'm just going to use the restroom. I go to use it. Rebecca's like, okay, I'm going to run and use the restroom. And everyone's like speaking in their native language, which sounds like heightened stress in their voice. And I'm like, oh, I know why. There's only a urinal in this bathroom because we're in the back country and it's like a male-driven industry. And um, so Rebecca just like waltzes. She comes back out. She's like, yep, keep it moving. I'm like, okay, yep, this is where we are. So we get through that day and we're now driving back to Mumbai. And again, we by this point, oh, no, no, no. So this was like two and a half hours in the trip. We're now going even further into the back country to a private homeowner's home who had um, purchased an item from this company that we were working with. So ultimately, we're doing real home homegrown due diligence. So mind you, we've been to three different stops. We went to lunch. We went to this village. And now we're going to this private home. It's like the pinnacle of the day. So they usher us in on this like back-ass, bumpy road. We're in our wild thornberries bus. We're laughing. And by this point, we're also a little tired, right? It's probably dinner time. We know we have at least an hour engagement at this place. And then we have at least a three-hour drive back to the city, barring no flooding. So we know there's a lot ahead of us still. So we pull up, and this guy's milking a cow in his front yard, as you do. You know, you love to see it. And so they whisk us into their home. And, you know, this guy, he doesn't speak a lick lick of English, which why should he? And um, we walk in, and I swear to God, you guys, it's just this marble-floored room okay, with an LED strip of light set into the crown molding that at this current juncture is slipping between red and blue, which is, you know, nice. And there is no furnishings in this room, just this marble-clad floor, that LED strip, and there are two thrones. There are two thrones in the middle of this room, and I'm not so sure what's going to happen. And I look at Rebecca. She looks at me. I'm like, I can't be the one to assume that's for me, that I'm going to sit on the floor. What proceeds to happen next is they insist that we sit on these thrones, okay? Frick, frack. And so we're sitting on these thrones. We're like taking off our backpacks. We're pulling out that spiral-bound notebook. And what proceeds to happen are 12 associates sit at our feet, no pun intended, Indian style. And... You'd have to take a moment to just sit there and think to yourself, what, what's, what's going to happen here? Is this like Mother Hubbard and like we still tell stories? Should I start cracking jokes? Next thing you know, this cute little like eight-year-old girl comes in with her little tray and tea. And the only thing I can think of is like, what water made this tea? Because I have a very persnickety GI track. And I'm not sure in this backwoods, if this is the the tea, you can you know because you have to use water to make tea. So I'm like, okay, this is all right. Next thing I know, out of the corner of my eye, it looks like Night at the Roxbury. Like doof, 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 doof. Rebecca's head is jamming to the left, and I'm like, what are you after? Are you going with the strobe lights? She's like, my back is spasming. My back is spasming. So picture it: marble floor, fifteen men Indian style, strobe lights, war on thrones. Doof, doof, doof. <laughs> Like, what in the actual fuck? Like, happy birthday, America. Happy 4th of July. This is where I am in the backwoods of India. So we get it together. We have a nice conversation and really just get to know these folks. And everybody, again, common thread through all this, quite frankly, almost too nice. Like, we didn't even know what to do with how nice people were. We're like, oh, my God. So we're going to leave. 
and uh, the gentleman whose home it is and his wife, they have this granddaughter and she's infatuated with us, right? You have to assume this is an eight-year-old living in this very rural section of India. This very well may be the first time she's seen, you know, Americans, white people even. So I... Um, I was like, I need to give her something. I love to give a gift. And I, because I can't travel hungry, um, I had a bunch of candy bars in my backpack, which were kind of my emergency, like, um, think Popeye with his spinach. Like I know my, like know thyself, right? Like I am horrific when I'm hungry. And when I say I'm hungry, I saw a meme earlier this week. It was so poetic. It's like, when I say I'm hungry, we have 22 minutes until I'm a different human. That's true. There are not many things in this world that get me irate, but for whatever reason, when my blood sugar drops, I am a rip-roaring asshole. So I keep Snickers on hand because, you know, you're not you when you're hungry. Snickers, sponsor me. So I I dig in my backpack, I look over, and this girl's like, you know, big, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. She's looking to get a photograph with us. I whip her Snickers. You would have thought I gave her a fucking Rolls Royce convertible. She's jazzed. She's got an American candy board. She's showing her path. She's showing her gram. They're laughing. I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, enjoy it. We're walking back to the car and Rebecca's like, I sure hope she doesn't have a peanut allergy. I'm like, son of a bitch. Only an American would worry about that. <laughs> so we get back in the wild thornberry bus. We barrel out of this fucking driveway. It's like a mile long. It's like, like dirt road anthem. So we get on the road back and Mr. Shinoy pops up from the back seat. He's like, why don't we go to dinner? I'm like, Mr. Shinoy, it is now pushing eight o'clock and we have three hours until we're back in the city. I, I think we just plow through and I'm getting room service. He's like, no, no, let's go to dinner. I'm like, mm, I insist. An hour later, we end up stopping, which was just to get a coffee, which they drink coffee 24 by seven and tea. And I got a Coke and we continued on the way back. But We get back at like literally 11 o'clock and we're literally like holding our eyelids open with our hands. So we get back after that's day one in India. Okay. That's day one. Just that's day one after a 15 hour flight across the Atlantic. Just okay. Casual, totally normal. So the next day we have to meet the executive for breakfast in our hotel, which we do. And we have a series of more formal meetings in Mumbai. So we proceed to go through the business meetings and this is more our speed. So, you know, we're in the offices, we're meeting the different teams. We're get, kind of really getting the true due diligence done that we thought we were there for. And then um, we spent a couple more days in the offices doing those things, meeting folks. And then we had a couple of days of more leisure to just, you know, the style of business in India is very, very relationship driven, which I love. And it's very much like getting to know your client and getting to know your sort of business partner. And so we were fortunate enough with our host to go to um, some really cool places around the city of Mumbai, including this just gorgeous hotel um, that had like um, this like rooftop restaurant. We got to see sort of the gate of Mumbai. And we really did have some free time to sort of sneak in some really cool stuff after what was, you know, a couple of 17, 18 hour work days. So on the one day they let us loose, they gave us a driver and they said, you know what, you just go do what you want to do. Well, that was interesting. So by this point, we feel like we know a bit of just sort of the lay of the land, right? And the rains have subsided a bit. So Rebecca and I have a shopping day. And when I say shopping day, like a few hours. And so we had had some morning meetings, things wrapped by lunch. So we kind of parted ways at lunch and her and I kind of had a half day to go kind of sightseeing and go shopping. Well, our driver 
very, very nice gentleman, but I think I speak quickly to begin with. And so I think we got mis a little miscommunication on what was happening. So her and I tear through the bazaars, you know, we buy, um, you know, some, some clothing, some frocks to take home, some artifacts, and I love a good trinket. And then <laughs> we just fell in and out of a couple stores. Well, it's chaos here now. It's rush hour. Okay. So it's bumper to bumper traffic. People are honking. There are mopeds whizzing in and out. There's a bus that's going the wrong direction. There's a car coming per perpendicular into the thing, like coming out hot, like genuine chaos all the time in these streets. Okay. And so we're like, wait, we're lost. Where's our driver? And our cell phones don't work. So we're like, hmm. So if Rebecca finally gets some signal, we get this guy and we just cannot get it together on the cell phone of like, he thinks we're here. We think he's there. And I said, I would place money that he is where we started, you know, 28 blocks back that way. I think it's going to be harder to get him to understand that we're here now. We should just start walking towards where we believe he would be and tell him don't move with how chaotic this traffic is. And so we both agree on that. So we start walking back. <laughs> I don't know what made me say this, but mind you, I'm bogged down now with like eight packages. I've got all these fucking shopping bags. I look like a freak who went down Fifth Avenue in New York City, but here I am in the middle of Mumbai with like um, an Indian blazer and I bought an Afghan blanket of Indian silk and I just bought like all kinds of shit. You know, like when in Rome, I, I was like, I don't know when I'll be back here. I want to get this shit. Really nice wood carved elephant, just like random ass shit. Well, I didn't look both ways and this car comes whizzing around and I'm like, ah, make way for Prince Ali. I have no idea why I said that. I don't know why I said that. I had like channeled an Aladdin moment, but next thing I know, I'm like running across, holding these packages up. There's like water on the ground. Remember it's been raining and she's just like, we got to get the fuck out of here. You're crazy. So we get in the car, the guy gets us back to the hotel and um, we wrap up the business trip. Now the final day, our flight is to leave at midnight. So, which would make sense, right? Because of just how the time differences are. We all know I suck at time zones. So we basically use that last evening to get a nice dinner, go back to our hotels to get like one final like shower and pack. And then we got in the car at like 9.30 to get to the airport for 10 for our midnight flight. Everything's kosher dill pickles. Get to the airport, check in at the front count, or not check in, walk in. Well, we're waiting in line and we get up to the counter, which is taking a little bit longer than we would think at this hour. And she's like, oh, no one told you, your flight's been delayed till 9 a.m. I was like, what? It's currently 10 p.m. Like that's basically 12 hours from now. She's like, yeah, sorry, I guess the text didn't go through. I'm like, text, we've been getting emails too. We didn't get anything. So she's like, well, unfortunately we can't check you in yet because you don't have a gate and we can't check you in this early. So you're kind of stuck in this like limbo, this like purgatory where you know, it's basically that front counter, but they can't let you back to the gates. And I was like, oh, hell no. Uh-uh. And by this, it's day seven. We've had a very lovely but long trip. It is monsoon season. It is time to go. But I ain't doing nine hours on the concrete floor of this terminal. So what are my options? And then she's like, well, we currently can't uh, let you out of this building either. And I was like, what? She's like, you'd have to have sign out because it's some type of like, I guess, legal thing. I'm like, well, get whoever you need to sign me out because I ain't keeping this. Well, here, she'd already started checking me in and she's like, well, I'm in the middle of checking you in, but unfortunately there are no flights. Your leg from New York will be missed and I'm unable to access the rebooking for them. I'm like, that's fine. 
cancel all of it. We'll just do all this when we come back at nine in the morning. And she's like, oh, it's stuck. Oh, it's stuck. I need to go find help. No, people are continuing to pile into this counter. And Indian culture isn't the most organized when it comes to queuing. So there's like hordes of people now kind of getting excited and a lot happening. And God love this poor girl, but I'm like, I got to turn American on her. So she gets her supervisor. And I was like, here's what to do. I went completely out of this chaos. Delete me, com- delete the tickets, delete all of it. I'll come back at nine and do it then. And I also need signed out of this place. And we had a little back and forth there to where I finally had looked up the United flight that I knew we could catch if we had, based on her time, scheduled this new flight. And I said, so here's what's going to happen. Either you're booking me on these two right here that I can see on the open internet, which I don't know how you couldn't then see, or I'll book them and hand you the bill. So whichever you prefer, that's how this is going. And Rebecca kind of was like wide-eyed. She's like, you know, because I never really get that way. So next thing you know, what do you know? All of a sudden I have tickets in my hand and I'm getting whisked out the door. I'm like, yep, interesting. So I, Fast Freddy, called the Four Seasons back. I'm like, don't clean those rooms. Don't resell them. Technically, they're ours anyway. We paid for an overnight stay, and we left at 10 p.m., and they said, absolutely. So we got whisked back to the hotel, checked back into our rooms, had a nice little siesta, por favor, and then we woke up in the morning and did it all over again like Groundhog's Day. Now here's the kicker. Fast forward, we get through security, we get ticketed this time, but everything's really supposedly on schedule. We have those tickets. The same poor girl is still working. She had the graveyard shift. So we come back. She's still there. And I said, oh, thank you so much. She's like, yeah, thank you. Crazy ass. Bye. So we get to the luxury lounge. Like, thank you, Jesus. And delayed. So what would have been a 9 a.m. flight is now delayed till noon. And I'll spare you all the gory details, but it ends up getting delayed until 4 p.m. the next day. And so by this point, we are exhausted. We've even taken them up on their offer for the $75 massage in the luxury lounge because we're just like, holy fuck. They even had a Starbucks, actually, and I hadn't had Starbucks in a week, so I was like, I was like shaking. So that checked a few boxes, watched a few Netflix shows, and then finally it's like, all right, we got to get this shit out of here. They get us on the plane. No one tells us, you guys, that Well, what we had actually found out was the plane, which is a double-decker, by the way, because it's for a 16-hour haul across the world to New York City. Earlier that day, one of those same planes had skidded off the runway because it hydroplaned, okay? Monsoon season. Whoopsie-daisy. These people had to do safety protocols. Fine. They don't tell anybody. What they decided to do, because that runway was still deemed unsafe, they took the gasoline out of our plane. Oh, yeah. They drained this motherfucker, took about 40% of the weight off of the jet by draining the entire gas tank over that time, boarded all of us onto it, okay? Put it on a smaller runway, which that plane's not rated for, but with less weight, it is. Fucking punch the gas like a bat out of hell, Cruella DeVille style. Blow this bitch up into the air so fast, I swear to God, we're doing a perpendicular vertical liftoff. Then we land about an hour later, in a lovely town called Omnibad, okay, on the northern border of India. Omnibad, yeah. We sit there for three and a half hours while they refuel, re-safety check, and don't air condition the jet. Mm -hmm. And they're passing out free champagne. I will give them that. They're like, let's just fucking booze these people up. And I, I understand the narrative there. Then, while we're there... I decide, okay, well, we're already going to miss that flight that I rose hell to get us on in United. 
So I look up the United Omnibad line, and this is a true story. God strike me down if it's not. I hit the 1-800 number. It rang not even one time, and somebody just said, hello, to which I said, startled, because it wasn't a computer like an American would be. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, is this United Airlines? She's like, yes, sir, how can I help you? Stunning. Did you know in India it's actually cheaper to hire a human than to electronify and digify some of the work? Isn't that insane? It was the most in, like refreshing thing, though. And I said, oh, here's my ticket number. I you know, have this other ticket number. I don't think we're going to make this flight. Can we actually, I'm looking at, instead of the 6 a.m. one, could we do this 9 a.m. one? I think we'll make that or whatever the times were. She's like, click, 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 kind of like that woman on Meet the Fockers. You know, she's like typing real fast. She's like, and she's like, it is done. Click. I was like, I don't get a confirmation number. I certainly am not getting an email. I have zero clue that this actually happened. So <laughs> I'm like, whatever. I was like, here, Rebecca, here's your ticket back. I don't even know what our new one is, but we have one apparently. She's like, mm, okay. Fast forward, we get home after a 15-hour haul. We've definitely, it's you know been overnight, so we have to get a hotel, which we had booked. So I go you know, get us an Uber. We get the hotel. Well, the next morning, Rebecca's like, you know what? I can't even take that flight back to Pittsburgh. I have to just run a car and go to Boston because I have a conference to present at tomorrow. And because we'd lost two days in this travel back, she's just got to barrel up to Boston. I was like, oh, damn, see ya. So I, you know, do a little sign of the cross, walk into the airport, and I walk up to the United counter, and I'm like, look, this is a far-fetched story, but I was on the border of um, whatever, Pakistan yesterday at the northern corner of India, and I placed a collect call to the woman there, and she said I had this ticket it's a first-class ticket, and I don't have any confirmation number or any trace of this actually happening, but supposedly it did. And the woman's looking at me like, what the fuck kind of drugs did you do in the JFK airport last night? And I'm like, no, I know it sounds really crazy, but it's all completely factually actual. It's, like, stunning. And uh, she's, like, laughing at me. And so sure as shit, can you fucking stand it? She pulls it up, and she's like... 100%. Here's your ticket. And I literally looked at her. She looked at me and we both like shrugged our shoulders. And I was like, okay, well, see ya. And off I went back to Pittyburgh. And um, yeah, that is the week in India over the 4th of July that I will literally never forget. And thanks to coronavirus, I haven't seen fireworks in two years. So basically, that is the scoop. <laughs> when in India, when in Rome, um, your takeaway here is you just really never know with me. <laughs>
uh, catch up on some other episodes. I think <laughs> there's certainly more to come, but uh, this one I felt was a good one for 4th of July. So enjoy it. Have a great weekend and I'll talk to you guys soon.